Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Uh, one big announcement, and then a few small things, and then this week's episode. Uh, first things first, we recently partnered with Acast. Um, they're a company that you may or you may not know, but uh, I've worked with them before in the past uh, on my older show, Lake Clarity and Aftershocks. Um, back then, Acast was incredible. They helped uh, cover a lot of our hosting fees and set us up with some ad partners that you know allowed us to create those shows. So I'm really excited to announce that Bloody Disgusting is partnering with Acast, and I am again getting to work on such an incredible platform with some incredible people. If you're curious to know a little bit more about like some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and like what this means for us as creators, um, I am writing up a blog post uh, right now about all of that stuff and, you know, like I said, how it impacts me, how it affects our cast and our crew, and uh, you know everyone who's involved in this show, like um, the moderators for our Discord or the people who help me run our social media channels. You know, we have a, a small army behind the scenes. But like I said. All that is coming uh, a little later this week, I think. Uh, it'll be on bloodydisgusting.com. So if you're interested in reading it or checking it out, uh, keep your eyes peeled. I'll also post on social media and stuff. Um, but yeah, more about that uh, in upcoming weeks. But I just want to let you guys know that it is there. And second, uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, and there you can get a lot of cool things uh, like ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and for this month only, uh, if you sign up anytime between April 1st, which was last week, and April 30th, you will get the first Season 2 postcard. Uh, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but we're doing postcards a little differently. Uh, we're going to do four really big, really cool batches throughout uh, Season 2, and the first batch is happening now. So if you want your postcard in May, all you need to do is sign up for a tier of $5 or above, and it'll be sent to you. Of course, you have to you know, provide your address and things like that. Please don't forget your address. Uh, some people do, and that sucks. Um, but I've worked on some really awesome designs. I'm very excited to share them with you. Um, I was going to share them last week. I decided to revamp one of them, so they'll actually be going up this Thursday. Uh, that is April 9th. Uh, so April 9th, keep your eyes peeled. Three new postcard designs. Uh, you can vote on all of them. Um, whichever one is the community favorite will be the postcard for May. Uh, and then in August, we'll be doing the same thing. And in September, you'll be getting three... Oh, in August, we'll be getting three new designs, and that'll be the September postcard. Yeah, every three months. Uh, so, it's going to be a while until the next one. Sign up now. And, on that note, uh, we have had a lot of sign-ups. So, I do want to give a big shout-out to all of our new patrons this week. Um, and thank you, guys. This means the absolute world to us, and we could not do what we do without you. So, David Crossler, Michael... Aguanio, Canadian Gold, Andrew Lynch, Daphne, Jack Purcell, Blake Marshall, Brianna Chanel, Oscar Olivieres II, Riley Kerr, Blake, Elliot K, Colt Minershagen, and Bandy Coot. Thank you. You guys rock. And I hope you're staying safe and healthy. Um we are continuing to do uh, Discord voice chats and game nights, uh, 
uh, that isn't just for patrons, it is for everyone. Uh, so if you're interested in joining that, there is a link for our Discord in the description below. Uh, and I also post it on Facebook and Twitter uh, pretty regularly because um, we do new events basically every day, every week. Uh, so come, talk to me, come say hi. Uh, I'm on most every voice chat. Um, I also do some live streaming. Uh, I made a Minecraft server last week so I could play some games with you guys. This week we're going to play, I think, SCP Secret Laboratories. Um, yeah, lots of fun stuff. Come join us. And now, this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number, SCP-2951. Object class, Euclid. Special containment procedures. Access to the Lemon Quarry is prohibited to unauthorized personnel, and Foundation personnel posing as local law enforcement are to maintain a perimeter around the site. Individuals who breach the perimeter are to be administered a suitable amnestic and turned over to local authorities. Exploratory missions in SCP-2951 are currently forbidden. Description SCP-2951 is an abandoned limestone mine near Guthrie, Indiana. The mine was originally owned by the B.G. Holdley Mining Group until an incident that occurred in 1944. The remote location of the quarry, as well as the deteriorated nature of its structure, have limited civilian trespassing. Due to this, the area is mostly undisturbed. The interior of SCP-2951 is subject to irregular spatial and temporal anomalies. Exploratory teams have also reported the existence of unknown anomalous entities within SCP-2951. These entities are likely connected to the 1944 incident. The primary entrance of SCP-2951 collapsed during the 1944 incident and is inaccessible. A secondary shaft, located in a dilapidated storage building, remains accessible. Addendum 2951.1 1944 incident and collapse. Note, the following information was gathered from the personal office of J. Howard Barnes, a curvier administrator and global occult coalition informant. After his death, the Foundation seized many of his assets, including the information regarding the 1944 Lemon Quarry collapse, which was thought to have been destroyed. On August 23, 1944, seismic activity below the Lemon Quarry prompted quarry supervisors to send an exploratory team into the limestone mine to assess damages to structures therein. After three hours, the initial team returned to report that an important access tunnel had collapsed. After some deliberation, Corey supervisors assembled a larger team of workers to clear the debris. The workers descended into the collapse point and began to move the fallen stone out of the way in order to bring in larger machinery. However, during this attempt, additional seismic activity occurred, triggering a tunnel collapse behind the crew clearing the access tunnel. For the next several hours, teams worked on both sides of the blockage to remove the debris and free the clearing crew. At approximately 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the blockage was removed and the initial clearing crew emerged from the mine. This crew reported that the primary access tunnel remained blocked, but a new tunnel, one that had not been cut by the mining group and was not charted, had been opened by the second round of seismic activity. Another small team was dispatched to gather information about this tunnel. The second tunnel was described as cut smooth, though not unnaturally so, and descended towards the northwest at a slight decline. 
Supervisors for the group hypothesized this was an original access tunnel, potentially one that had been cut near the mine's conception, before it was purchased by BG Hoadley, and simply not properly recorded. Hoping that this access tunnel would connect around to the primary block tunnel, quarry supervisors gathered another team of 23 men. Their assignment was to use the secondary tunnel to access the rear of the blockage, assess the structure there, and determine whether the use of explosives was justified to clear the tunnel. After this team was sent into the mine, very little else of note is recorded. Sometime afterwards, there's a third round of seismic activity, severe enough to collapse the entrance tunnel to the mine. Over the course of the next three days, teams above ground worked to remove the rubble covering the entrance, while supervisors and additional workers attempted to contact the team through a telephone cable line run down the secondary access shaft in the maintenance building. On the evening of the third day, just as BG Holy administrators were preparing to request assistance from other nearby mining groups, an unknown individual emerged from the secondary shaft. The only note made of this event was the following. The telegraph wired to BG Holy offices in Louisville. 26-8-1944 Mine abandoned. Stop. Tunnels remain collapsed. Stop. 23 lost. Stop. One of them came up the shaft. Stop. We tossed it back down. Stop. Wasn't right. Stop. GPE. Stop. Denim 2951.2. 1998 incident. On June 4th, 1998, low-level seismic activity was detected south of Site 81. A team of Foundation geologists were dispatched to gather more information relating to the event, but were unable to pinpoint the exact location of the disturbance. Anticipating aftershocks, Several seismographs were installed in the neighboring towns. On June 16th, a missing person report was filed with local police for Tevin Napier, a 15-year-old student who had disappeared after he and his friends had been trespassing in the abandoned Lemon Quarry. Teams searched for the quarry for any signs of Napier, eventually discovering the now-unsealed secondary access shaft beneath the dilapidated maintenance building within the quarry. A search-and-rescue team was lowered into the shaft, expecting to recover Napier's body. However, initial attempts were unsuccessful due to the sheer depth of the shaft, and teams had to be recalled until longer safety equipment could be obtained. At the time, no records of the depth of the shaft were available, and crews were unaware of the original cord depth of 120 meters. This was disparate from the estimated depth of the shaft by rescue crews, who estimated a depth of approximately 240 meters. When rescue crews eventually descended the full length of the access shaft, there was no evidence of Napier's body. However, crews quickly reported agitation and a feeling of doubt about their perception of the mine around them. During the expedition, the five-man rescue team occasionally reported there being seven or eight members of the team and one member reported that they were in the mine looking for gold. After 43 minutes within the mine, the team stopped responding to radio communications. Above-ground teams quickly began to retract their tether, and found that more tether was being retracted than had gone into the mine. After retracting 400 meters of tether, the winch was no longer able to do so, and was stopped. At this point, Foundation crews were alerted to the possibility of anomalous activity at the Lemon Quarry, and took control of the rescue efforts under the guise of a federal search and rescue team. Using a more powerful winch system, Foundation personnel were able to retrieve two of the five men, both of whom were still connected to their tethers. 
the first man, Abel Parker, became increasingly agitated and violent above ground, convinced he was still within the mine. The second man, Greg Hamilton, was initially thought to be comatose, but began speaking unintelligibly after 20 minutes above ground. However, the initial rescue team confirmed that the voice Hamilton was speaking with was not his own, but the voice of Jeremy Livingston, another one of the men in the mine. Both men were sedated and moved to Site 81 for analysis. Of the other three tethers, two returned with clean cuts at their end. The third appeared to have been cut with a jagged piece of rock, and was covered in human blood for 13 meters. After recovering Parker and Hamilton, Foundation personnel quickly moved to administer amnestics to all involved non-Foundation personnel, as well as develop a cover story for the events which occurred within the mine. Site 81 requisitioned an immediate classification for the mine as SCP-2951, which was granted by the Classification Committee on the 18th of June. Hey everyone, it's Pacific again. Just here for a quick ad break. You guys, you know it's been nicer lately, and in Wisconsin, you never quite know when winter is going to be in, but it's been nice for like four days in a row, and I'm like, if sunnier days are coming, it's time to fuel up, and so I'm going back to my factor meals that no prep, no mess. I want to hit my weight goals before it's time to hit that beach. You've got options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto. Factor has these fresh, never frozen meals, dietitian approved guys. And here's the big thing for me, keeping out of the kitchen as much as possible, two minutes and these meals are ready. So it doesn't matter how busy you are, you've always got time. So treat yourself. They have 35 different meals to pick from, 60 add-ons to choose every week. You're always going to have new stuff to try. Have it whenever you want. It's effortless, guys. So if you'd like to try it yourself, head to factormeals.com slash badmovies50 and use code badmovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BADMOVIES50 at FactorMeals.com slash BADMOVIES50 to get 50% off of your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Awesome. Thanks for listening. And enjoy the rest of the show uninterrupted. Addendum 2951.3. Exploration Log. Note. Following the events of June 16, 1998, Mobile Task Force Trotter 5, Hell's Heroes, was assigned the further analysis of SCP-2951. Their design goal was to assess the anomalous nature of SCP-2951, as well as search for the additional three lost search and rescue crew members and Tevin Napier, who was still missing. The four-man team was to enter SCP-2951 through the secondary access shaft. It's been no longer than 40 minutes within the mine. One, mics are on. Four, on. Two, check. Yeah, three on here. All right, let's head down. Be careful right here. Don't put your foot on that. It's loose. Hey, you guys aren't going to let us loose on our way down, are you? Your paperwork to file, I mean. Come on, Kevin, for fuck's sake. All right, all right. T5 team descends shaft. Carson T5-4 notes depth as they descend. Upon reaching 120 meters, Janet T5-1 stops. What's wrong? This is it. What's our depth? 120 meters. That ain't right. Those state guys said this was more than 200 meters deep. Maybe there's a jog. Just around that bend over there. Maybe it descends some more. You'd think we'd see some hooks around here though, right? From the last guys? 
No, nothing like that. Footprints, though, so this is definitely where they were. Turn on your lamps. Let's see what's around the corner here. Team detaches from tethers. Moves a corner away from shaft. Davies, did you start our clock? I did. Back when we first hit dirt. Good to hear. Let me know every ten minutes. Yep. Cap, over here. Something on the wall. Tether lines. From where they were rubbing up against a rock. How many are there? Just two. That's weird. Get some pictures and let's keep going. We don't have a lot of time. Team descends lower into the mine. Extraneous dialogue removed from log. Ten minutes. Huh? What? Feels like it's been longer than that. Hmm. Clock is working fine. Batteries are all juiced up and everything. Just imagining it. Man, it gets real tight up there. This is an access shaft? Yeah, supposed to connect with the rest of the mine, but it's just an emergency exit. We'll have more room to breathe once we reconnect. We're going to need to go single file. I'll take the head. File in. Team begins to move single file through a section of tunnel. Significant time passes. A little discussion is had between team members. Where are we at on the clock? Uh, 17 minutes. That definitely isn't right. Is this a temporal anomaly? By the looks of it. Uh, you guys see that? What? Light? But that's the rest of the mine. Not much further to go now. I hear something. <laughs> it's probably just the wind. No, it's below us. Deep. Might be some more seismic activity. That definitely isn't right. Let's get out of this hole then. I cave in here and we're toast. Team moves quickly towards the light in front of them. Passageway begins to open slightly. Why would there be light down here? Maybe the other rescuers? They had lamps, I think. Yeah, but it's been a few days. They can't be raided for that long. Where are we on that clock? Uh, 17 minutes. Fuck. This isn't right. How much further? No, it's below us. Deep. Yeah, maybe another 20 meters? Move your asses, boys. I feel funny. You're gonna throw up. Keep it back. Shut up, man. Where are we at? Ten meters. It's like we're getting pinned in. How much further? Fuck! Where are the lights? Fuck. Hang on, my lamp is out too. Something is moving. It's below us. Deep. Can you all calm the fuck down for five seconds? Can't see in the dark, Cap. I've got a lighter. Alright, this tunnel is blocked. Might be from the seismic activity. No, it's settled. This has been here a while. This tunnel, though... No, it's... This looks pretty clean cut. What do you see down that way? Not much. It just keeps going down. Smell something. Ozone. Yeah, me too. What's our clock at? Hey, something's written on the wall here. Can't make it out. Thirteen minutes. We've been down here too long already. Too long. Wanna head back? I'm thinking we need more equipment. Maybe, maybe more... Too long. I'm fine with that. I don't want to go down there yet. I'll go first this time. Everybody squeeze in. Too long in the fire. Let's go. Time passes. Extraneous dialogue removed. Thank God. I can see again. There's the access shaft. Hang on, did you say something? 
No. Who? Oh shit! What are you? There were only four of us, right? There were only four of us, right? Jesus fucking! There were only four. Too long in the fire. Too fucking long. Shoot the goddamn fire. gun, Daniel! I don't care fire. who it sounds like. Too long. We've been down here too long already. Who the fuck? They're wearing our uniforms. How? That one is smoking. It's on fire. Stand back. What's it saying? Get the fuck down! All recording devices cease function. Note. Following these events, MTFT-5 was removed from the access shaft and given a physical and psychological evaluation. T-5-1, Dash-3, and Dash-4 suffer minor lacerations and burn as a result of the explosion. And T-5-2 is removed to Site-81 for his injuries. Three unidentified individuals who attacked members of MTFT-5 all wore the exact same uniforms and equipment as the other members of the unit, and were confirmed to have exactly mimicked the voices of other team members. This, combined with the low lighting and tight quarters, is believed to have contributed to the team members' inability to distinguish exactly how many individuals were with them at the time. Psychological Evaluation Audio Transcript in our analysis of the audio files, we noticed that several times your teammates made note of the anomalous passage of time. Can you confirm this? Yeah, I can. I've been in similar situations, temporal dilations and stuff like that. You start to lose track of time, even when you know a bit of time is passing by. I don't know how long we were down there, but I think maybe four hours? Your recorders were active for five hours and 33 minutes, Agent. Time I'm not going to get back. Yeah. How long were we down there up here? 19 minutes. Jesus Christ, I take that back then. I haven't ever been in anything like that. Did you feel any adverse effects mentally from the time dilation? Sort of. It's like soup, I think, when you're in one of those. Your mind starts to feel kind of thick, right? Things happen and they're not really clear. You can't recall exactly when they happened, even if they just did. Stuff like that. It's disorienting. I see. Did you at any point notice the three individuals we recovered before you reached the access shaft? Recover is a strong word. Their remains, I mean. I still don't get how they got that stuff. They had the name badges and everything, just with the identification scorched off. It's real strange. Notice them? No. In the dark, you know, it was just single file. I was looking at Daniel. I mean, I thought I was. But the acoustics were real bad too. Couldn't tell where the sound was coming from. Kept hearing him behind me. I guess I was. I don't know. It's like I said, you know things are happening around you and you react to them, but they all just feel wrong. I see. They never found that kid, did they? He never came out later? No. Ah, shit. What about Davies? Armin, come on, you know... He still hasn't said anything, Kevin. Opened his mouth a few times, but nothing's come out. Doesn't even look at you. God damn it. Do you want an amnestic? I can have something ordered for you, or... Nah. 
If I'm still dreaming about that thing screaming at me with my own voice in a month, I'll let you order it. All right, then. Sounds like a, a good plan. Good luck. Addendum 2951.4. Interview with Gorman P. Ellis. Following the events recorded in Addendum 2951.3, Foundation research personnel began to collect data about the Lemon Quarry and the mine there. This proved to be difficult, as the original BG Holy Company had folded nearly 40 years prior, and all company records were presumed destroyed. Additionally, the potentially anomalous nature of Carvia International made accessing the records difficult. However, a recovered contact list within an abandoned BG Holy office in nearby Bedford allowed Foundation investigators to contact Mr. Gorman P. Ellis, an elderly and retired BG Holy investigator. Mr. Ellis was cooperative when contacted. We met with Foundation investigators. It was during this interview that Foundation personnel were alerted to the information held by Carvier Administrator J. Howard Barnes, which was later collected and assessed as part of the investigation. The following is audio transcript of an interview conducted by Agent Young with Mr. Ellis. We appreciate you meeting with us, Mr. Ellis. We promise we won't take much of your time. That's fine, that's fine. What can you tell us about your time at BG Hoadley? Well, I hired in as a day laborer, just like my father had. He was a foreman with the company when I was a boy. So was my uncle, James Ellis. My uncle was an associate of Mr. Hoadley and Mr. Hedgewater. Both big limestone men back in the 30s and 40s. I worked for Hedgewater for a while at United Limestone, and transferred to Hoadley just before my father retired as a foreman myself. Which sites were you assigned to during your time with the company? Well, let's see. There was the Springville site up north, and another near Orleans, off 37. Worked both of them for a fair few years. Then we opened up the big site west of Mitchell, and I was there until I retired. Do you know anything about the Lemon site in Guthrie? I suppose I do. Did you ever work there? No. Can't say I did. That was, uh... Ron Pitts, I think. Just an acquaintance, not somebody I knew all that well. Do you know... Actually, now that you mention it, I, I did spend some time at Lemon. Just hard to remember. I went with a team of boys to clean up after they shut it down. There was an earthquake, see? Collapsed some of the tunnels. Said it wasn't. Geologically sound. Something wrong? I always thought that was a bit weird. We don't get earthquakes around here. All that limestone, you know, dampens the shakes from down south or somewhere else. Did they tell you anything else about that mine? Oh, it was such a long time ago now. We just had to move some machinery, load it onto trucks and move it down south. I don't think I ever spoke to any of the foremen there. They were mostly outside men at that point anyway, just using holy equipment. I see. What about the collapse? Were there ever any casualties? I think they lost a few boys, but I can't say for sure. That would happen then, you know. Weren't as careful as they are now, I reckon. Even so, it wasn't something that was talked about much. Our records indicate that B.G. Hoadley sold that mine to Curvier shortly after the collapse. Is there any reason you can think of why they do that? Mm, no, can't say why. 
United had bought a few, but usually part of some deal to open up another mine. Cuvier wasn't from around here. They were out of state. Not real common for a group like that to buy up a mine, especially one as small as Lemon. I see. Anything else you'd like to add, Mr. Ellis? See if you can get hold of a gentleman named, uh... Let me think. Was it Jim? Jeff? Anyway, Barnes was his name. He was a bit older than me, so he, he might have passed away by now. But he was involved in that cleanup. I think he was headwaters contact with Curvier when I worked for them. And I spoke to him a few times. Decent enough fellow. He might be able to tell you a little more. Thank you, sir. You know, Hi. I've been thinking. There was something else about that cleanup that seemed so peculiar. We came in with about a dozen guys to get those machines loaded up. But there were another dozen or so there from Curvier who were cleaning up their stuff. And maybe five or six more holy men doing the same. Quietest job we've ever worked. I don't know if a single one of them said anything to us the entire time we were there. Denim 2951.5 Collected Personal Correspondence from J. Howard Barnes Jeremiah, I don't know if you've heard yet, but there was an incident at the Guthrie Mine, a cave-in triggered by some earthquake. There are twenty or so boys trapped down in there. They're trying to get a team to move the rubble, but it's not going well. Thought you should know, in case you need to call the lawyers. I'll try to call out of the office tomorrow. Best, Trent. Jeremiah, a bunch of suits showed up today asking about the cave-in. We don't know if they're lawyers or what, but they kept asking real weird questions. Wanted to listen to the rocks and stuff at the cave-in, like they were trying to hear something. You know anything about this? Nate Wabosh. Mr. Barnes. Our organization has recently purchased the rights to the Guthrie Lemon Quarry and are interested in any information you might have about it. A representative of ours will be in your area within the next week and would love to speak with you about it, as well as about our opportunities within our organization you may be interested in. Yours truly, David P. Whittinger, Curvier International. I saw it myself, Jeremiah. I saw something that was like a man crawl out of that hole. It smoked and burned and cried out in another's voice. It was a thing pulled straight from the pit itself, I have no doubt. That man from Geist said as much himself, that the pillars that support the world will crack and crumble and the foundation will become loose. What lies below will become accessible and its might will fall upon the meek. I saw it with my own eyes. I know it is true. I still hear its words, Jeremiah. Ten thousand years. Screaming like a wild dog. Shrieking like it was cornered. Ten thousand years in the fire. Denim 2951.6 Collected correspondence from Gorman P. Ellis. On April 19, 2003, the aforementioned Mr. Gorman P. Ellis passed away. Due to his person of interest status, Foundation personnel moved to seize his assets for further analysis. The following is a letter believed to have been penned by Mr. Ellis to an unknown recipient concerning SCP-2951. 
It was 23 in total. 23 of those poor boys got stuck behind that wall. We could hear them for days shouting behind those rocks while we sat around on our asses and did nothing. Have you ever been down in a mine during a blackout, Kim? Let me tell you about it. First, there is a moment of panic when everybody scrambles to figure out what's going on. Then, as things calm down, you try to get your eyes adjusted to the dark around you. But, you never get adjusted, because there's nothing to see. It's not like dark at night, where you can see stars and the moon, or streetlight. There is no light in a mine during a blackout. There's nothing to see down there. Then, you start to hear things. Some boys will hear voices, or animals, or any number of things that just aren't there. Some will wander off and get lost. They won't follow the ropes back up. Some will fall in a shaft or into a crevice and you'll never see them again. Then, it gets real quiet. I got to see that tunnel they found before the cave-in. Very strange, Kim. Didn't look dug by tools. Not proper. Didn't even have time to string up lights in it to see where it went. I don't know what's down there. Anyway, all I'm saying is, I haven't thought much about hell, but I sure think we deserve it. Whatever happens to those boys as long as they're down there is our fault. It's our fault for doing nothing. And the dark changes people. SCP-2951 was written by DJ Cactus. Our host and narrator was John Grills. Agent Young was played by Atticus Jackson. Jenna, T1, was played by Nicole Goodnight. Davies, T2, was played by Pacific S. Obadiah. Kevin, T3, was played by Russell Moore. Carson, T4, was played by Jesse Hall. Carson, T5, was played by James Oliva. Davies, T6, was played by Pacific S. Obadiah. Kevin, T7, was played by Fletcher Armstrong. Mr. Ellis was played by Karim Kronfi. And Dr. Rostetler was played by Tanya Miliovic. Our music is composed by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. And I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. Our producer is Tom Owen, and this is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com.